Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Our guest this episode is psychotherapist Dale Hicks. He and Simone chat about self-awareness, being present, and of rejecting the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness. So uh, today I have Dale Hicks joining me on our Seriously Social podcast from Dale B. Hicks Psychotherapy. You got it. Oh, I got it. Excellent. Um, so really excited to have you join me on what is now the Tan Chairs. Tan Chairs. Tan Chairs. Um, I'm wondering if you can uh, just give me the Cliff Notes version of how you got here today. How I got here today. Mm. Uh, okay. So yes. Um, Upbringing was that my family had a very fairy tale upbringing. I always like to call it fairy tale upbringing. Um, I wasn't pushed religiously. I didn't have any supplies by any direction. Um, and so that led me to ask a lot of questions about life, meaning of life, um, from a very young age. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished school. Joined the Air Force. Um, from the Air Force, had a lot of questions around the guy. I can see myself doing this for 40 years. Yeah. And what's my life come to? Um, and uh, thought I need to figure this out. So I quit, went overseas for a year to try and find myself. And throughout that whole period, I was looking at all spiritual um, spirituality to try and understand more about what was going on. But that came at a cost where it, it's a limit where you can't actually, um, uh, there's no science to back yeah. it up. And so, what's the science say? So I went overseas, had an amazing time, came back, had the exact same questions as I left. The spiritual, I didn't answer them, it just gave me a sense of self. So, um, came back, went into IT um, for an internet company, because mm-hmm. I just had like the skills from the Force, yeah. and then went, got the same problem. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, that led into trying to find, or well, how do I live in a better way? And the only idea I had at that time was more money. Okay. So, yeah. the more money you have, the more successful you are, the happier you'll be. That and is the myth that they start that with. It is the myth, it's mm-hmm. absolutely insanity. Um, so I tried to follow that track using my IT skills for internet marketing mm-hmm. and I was starting to get some success but again it didn't, something didn't feel right. Yeah. So from that I looked into um, neuro-linguistic programming, mm-hmm. therapy, a few other little modalities from short courses mm-hmm. that I uh, like going to help people mm-hmm. um, and uh, worked with a clinical psychologist mentored me at the time for a little while. Um, I had couple of clients that I had some amazing results with using those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, got invited to do a lot of professional talks mm-hmm. through that. Um, but because of that and the people that I was sort of circling and hanging around, it was very much a crisis of conscious going, what do I have to offer that these people have studied and worked in the field with several years of experience and so much yeah. training? Um, so I thought I need to formalise what I'm doing. Yeah. And that uh, led me through my Bachelor of Psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, it was too much science. Yeah. Where's the humanity? Where's oh, the connection? Yeah. With all that sort of stuff. Where's the actual therapy? The, mm-hmm. the one-on-one. Where's the connection with the person? Yeah. Um, so it's all textbook stuff. And um, I went into my masters of counselling and psychotherapy, and that really hit the nail on the head. Yeah, nice. From that, I got the rude awakening that mental health in Australia is very broken. <laughs> and because of that. Um, I was mad looking for work and I wasn't rejected on skill set or experience, it was rejected on the fact that I didn't have Medicare policy with yeah. the wrong association or oh, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was I'll look for a job or I'll build a business in my yeah. own private practice and I'll mm-hmm. get the support around that and I'll see which one takes off first. And I got a 
computer part time work here and there, but nothing solid. And yeah. at the same time, I was putting in my practice, and the practice just kept going. So, cool. like, okay. Nice. Well, yeah. I think, too, you know, it's always handy if you're building your private practice and you have a background in internet marketing, that helps. Mm. Um, because I think what um, I find a lot uh, with people in the helping space in general uh, and in allied health is that they're great at helping people, they're great at their skill set. Mm. They're not very often good at self-promotion. Like it tends, when you're holding space for other people, mm. you tend not to step into this thing and look at me, aren't That's I wonderful? exactly right. It's a very selfless profession. Yeah. You're trying to be selfish. You know, yeah. Connotations around that. Yeah. yeah, that's a very difficult. Yeah, and I think too, um, one of the other challenges I think in your space is um, APRA guidelines. And so, you know, depending on which licensing body or registration body that you're with, what you can and can't say, mm. how you can say it, mm. um, you know, compared to say somewhere like America where you can say whatever you like. It's the regulations around all of that are, are very interesting. Mm. And then going back to the mentor when I was studying in LP, and I said to him, Look, I want to study psychology, I want to do what you do. And he said, No, I don't. Mm. And then he said, Why don't we do professional thoughts? And I'm going, Why am I getting invited amongst all these professionals? Mm. And he said, Because you can say things outside of all these regulations yeah. and people will connect with you. So, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, there's definitely this opportunity to be real in that. Um, space in terms of that connecting human to human. Um, I agree with you that mental health in Australia is pretty much broken, um, but I think too there's, there seems to be this whole other layer, layer as a business owner too. Mm. So you know, I've been talking to a lot of people lately about what I went through during you know, the shutdown for COVID and thank God I'm not in Victoria because for those yeah. of the people listening to us in Victoria, I I can only imagine like the depth of stress that they're under mm -hmm. right now and what that stress does to you emotionally and psychological makeup. But sure. um, that seems to be the conversation that's lacking. So there's a lot of conversation around, you know, um, economic constraints and, you know, keeping people in jobs. But there's not a lot, of, I'm not seeing a lot of conversation, you know, whether it's online or digital or even in the news around. You know the mental health and well-being of business owners who have had to stand down their staff, and you know, like they built up all these teams, they flogged themselves as we all do to mm -hmm. grow our businesses. Uh, what do you think? You know, we can be doing in our own communities because we tend to have, like, if you own a business, you tend to have other business owners around you. How do you kind of leave that conversation? Do you think to open up the door so people? Uh, that's a really deep question. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say in the context of like whether it's business owners or whether it's employed, it goes back to that whole stigma around sharing how you're feeling. Yeah. Um, what we're talking about the IUFK day mm -hmm. or any sort of mental health day that gets promoted around and you, mm -hmm. you it, it's in your awareness to ask people at work, how are you going? Yeah. And you get the, the generic response, oh, I'm fine. It's yeah. like, I know you're fine. Tell me more. What's going on? But there's this uh, the stigma of my own mental health, yeah. and then there's the stigma of the burden that you've got to put someone under if you yeah. then vent onto your own um, vent onto your own issues. Yeah. Because again, it's that whole selfish. I don't want to be selfish and take up all the time and yeah. go through all of that. So I guess to answer the question, um, how to bridge that gap a little bit more is making it okay to a share 
the stuff that you're going through. Mm -hmm. But also, if you're the person asking, don't be afraid to push a little bit more empathy. So, mm -hmm. compassion and um, get people to draw it out because people will take a few goes to say, Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure you want me to? I'm not sure I want to give you all of this. That's so right. I'm carrying all of this. That's right. Yeah. 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 I um, I think too, one of the challenges I suppose is in order for someone to feel safe enough to share with you, you have to be vulnerable with them, which means that you have to be honest about what you're going through yourself. Mm. And in, in business in particular, but I think even when you reach a certain stage in your career where you're perceived to be a successful human being, um, then there's this expectation that you kind of have this veneer or this mask that you walk yeah. around with all day. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things people can do maybe to practice in everyday, like just dropping that mask down a little bit and letting their authentic selves kind of come through and get seen by the world? How much time have we got? Not that <laughs> um, how, what, So the question is, what can they do to drop down? What, what, what are some of the little like, steps? So I always like to think, you know, um, when I first started practicing kind of this mindfulness of actually being present and honest about who I am and what's going on. Um, I liken it to you have to build up an empirical evidence base that the sky isn't going to fall in every time you show someone who yes. you are. Yep. So what are some of the less scary things that we can maybe do or try with people that are closer to us that will help us develop some confidence to be vulnerable with the world? Uh, well, I think the, the first thing is... Um, Making it okay to ask if you can actually share some of yourself. Yeah. So for that, you, taking that a step back, you've got to have the confidence to ask the question to then generate the yeah. evidence to build confidence. So um, yeah, but one of the small things would be, hey, look, I've got some stuff going on at the moment. Can I think? Mm. Can I go through some stuff? Can I drop this mask and yeah. have a discussion with you? Is that okay? Yeah. Um, most reasonable people would go short as well. really like good point too in that if you don't have that time right then and there about you know when someone you know offers something of themselves be honest and go actually I'm, I'm drowning myself right now but I, I appreciate the fact that you and I need to have a conversation let's do that can we do that in an hour mm. can I get these emails off and sorted and then we'll have that conversation yeah. we don't do enough of that too we go you know like Oh, I'm really busy. The hand right. goes up. Off you that's, go. That's right. That extends across um, a bunch of different areas of life as well. Yeah. And underneath it all, it's really just that acknowledgement of the other person. Mm. So if you're going out there and being vulnerable and that person, I guess, twists a knife, yeah. well then you're not going to be vulnerable again. But if you're vulnerable and that person acknowledges the vulnerability, yeah. well then, and they do it in the right way by saying, sure, let's talk, or I'm going to make the time after I've gone through this stuff, can you give me a few minutes? Because what else is important to you? Mm. Well, most people would go, you can take a week off and yeah. come back to me, but because I know that you've understood that I'm going through something. Yeah. So extend that into a relationship. And then things like domestic violence mm. and a bunch of other situations that as a counsellor you get people coming in from. Yeah. Probably a lot of it comes down to that acknowledgement. I'm not getting what I want, I'm not yeah. communicating that acknowledgement effectively. So yeah. It's a huge thing. Well, that, that thing about being seen and heard too. And I think if you bring that back again, like from a personal context, we live in a world right now where we're increasingly 
invisible, hmm. really. As much as we're digital and everything's there, we're increasingly invisible as human beings and not acknowledged because hmm. we're not fully present with each other, hmm. um, you know, to the point that you almost have a fit if you leave your phone at home, like can't leave the house for three hours yeah. and not be contactable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think if you bring that back, that fully being present, the minute that you say to someone, I would actually like to give you my full attention, so let me get this stuff out of the way so that I can come back to you. I mean, that's a really powerful thing to do in a business relationship, mm -hmm. in your personal relationships, um, but it, it takes practice again. Like, Over time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, a lot of people would say, oh, I'm not like that, or I've never been the one to be like that. Mm. And um, to that I would disagree. I would say that a lot of the things that we aspire to be, we've always got is underdeveloped in yeah. those areas. So um, everyone has all the tools to be empathetic, compassionate, mm -hmm. acknowledging each other, but we don't have the time, we don't put awareness on it, we don't develop it, we don't practice it. Or you hold on to a story that like gives you an excuse not to develop those things. Yeah. You know, like some people just go, no, nah, I'm just not interested, I don't need people. Yeah. It's like, well, when you were six, you did people. You ever met a six-year-old for the first time? Like they come into a room and they tell you exactly what they think, what's going on for them. You know, like my biggest challenge as a parent has been trying to keep that six-year-old honesty and vulnerability in my now ten-year-old and thirteen-year-old yeah. to, you know, without the, the world breaking it. Because if they can carry that into adulthood, it can be like a really powerful place. Yeah, that's right. to the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, my challenge is always, you know. I went through a whole stage where you know, say, oh, I'm not a people person, I just don't do it. Yeah. It's fine, you either like me or you don't, and you're one, which is common. That's exactly, yeah, that's my next point. You, <laughs> know, you get those people who will be unapologetic about who they are, yeah. but not temper it with their empathy for the other person you are. So, I think that that's actually that's a really good point because I'm, I talk a lot about being unapologetically you, but that doesn't mean you can be an ass. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, 100%. Yeah. So I think that there are people out there who are, like, to excuse the French, just assholes and, and <laughs> don't want to be nice human beings. They generally don't stay in my life for very long. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they they use that unapologetically you as a power dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, but then you've got other people who go, no, well, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. And so for me, that unapologetically me is about, um, you know, this is who I am in the world, this is what it is that I'm trying to achieve, and this is, like, what's important to me. Um, you don't get to overlay your reality onto mine and your projections onto me. You don't try, you can't help but do that. However, it's... Um, I'm not going to change who I am in order to like, oh. make you okay. But I can empathise with the fact that me being who I am is currently making me feel uncomfortable or um, it's difficult to be around because it's challenging your story about what you can do and what you can be. Exactly right, it's awareness around your own responsibility. Yeah. Um, and where you sit in the interactions. Yeah. Um, and uh, exactly like you say, like, the stuff that you do in that mindset should be celebrated. Mm. It should be celebrated. Um, you're not trademarking your else's toes. Uh, you're going off and doing your own thing. Yeah. Um, anyone who comes along and tries to uh, take that away or, or call you out or yeah. pull you down, it's, it's like 
Okay. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with you, but yeah. if you really need to make you small. Yeah, make you small. Yeah, yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Like two people on on completely different paths. Yeah. It should be a celebration with each other. That what do you need if I can help other people? Yeah. It's not a reflection that no one loves you. No, <laughs> like, no, exactly. And I think too, it's um, you know, I find it fascinating because there is a place for every single human being society that we have if enough people decide to be decent human beings. I think the challenge that we've got right now is that there's still, you know, and I use the business world because that's where I live, but mm. it translates into life. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's still two schools of people. There are the people who you know, feel like they need to jump on everybody else's heads in order to go, look at me, I'm amazing, but you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible, and you're subpar, and you could do so much that's better, right. yeah. which is that... I call it a culture of complaint and judgment. So mm. um, one of the hardest things I ever did was like when I was about 23 is I had to go 30 days without passing judgment on anyone or anything. It's a very interesting exercise yeah. to put yourself through because the first like two weeks you're like, oh my God, I am the most judgmental cow yeah. on the planet because you really are. Yeah, that's you right. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, towards the end of it, what I found was I actually had got to a point where I was much more accepting of people who just being people and stuff that I would have previously noticed. I ceased noticing, like, what people were wearing or, you know, their hair or, you know, their body composition or yeah. any of those things yeah. just ceased to be a factor in who I saw or how I saw them. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, in the scheme of things with your own business, mm -hmm. Uh, what have been the biggest challenges for you, like dealing with? Because I'm guessing that a lot of your clients are, are under much more stress. Mm. So um, I, it's interesting. Um, I had a friend ask me, so what clients are you seeing the most of? Yeah. Um, and strangely enough, or well, not strangely, enough, the first one is men with anger issues. Yeah. Um, that's uh, almost not a surprise. Yeah. Um, but also relationships, none of it related to COVID at all. Um, but uh, I guess the thing, main thing that I'm seeing and the struggles that I'm seeing for people is, it, I guess it's that underdevelopment, that, that yeah. lack of knowledge or self-awareness around where they've come from. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to highlight that for some people. Also, I guess it might be difficult to go to certain places mm. because I guess psychotherapy compared to counselling is much more um, longitudinal. Mm -hmm. Because of course we've got to spend time mm. so working in a bunch of different areas yeah. um, and trying to tease out the knots of complexity yeah. where people are having these issues. Um, yeah, I guess from my perspective, I struggle to see, um, or I guess like I struggle to see, I can see very clearly the difficulties that mm -hmm. everyone's facing. Yeah. Um, I guess it's probably uh, it's a light comment. Um, I, I like to call it the band-aid effect when it comes to psychotherapy in terms of um, you need to keep coming when it's most painful. So you're slowly ripping off the band-aid, it really hurts. Um, so generally speaking, I, I used to find in my own practices that people stopped at the most painful point. And so I used to have to have verbal contracts with them at the beginning that would say, at some stage on this journey, we're going to get to a point where it's just not fun. Mm, mm. And so what I need you to do is to, you know, choose 
some kind of a word so that when you go to cancel an appointment and it's because it's just not fun and you're feeling a little uncomfortable, you go, it's a blue pickling day or yeah. it's a, you know, whatever else it might be yeah. day, yeah. which is code for me to follow back up with you and try and get you back to your appointments right. to keep moving because yeah. yeah. we don't want you to live there. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It's, I guess the other end of that spectrum is uh, as a counsellor, you see very quickly what someone's issue is, but mm. it's not for me to point it out. Yeah. Um, and the mentality that a lot of people come in, especially that have come in from the medical model, from psychiatry or psychology, where they sort of sit down like it's a GP and they go, what's my problem? Well, it's this, do this test, or you have, you have X, Y, Z. Okay, cool, go do this. And a number of clients come through and I'll ask them, have you had counselling before? Yes, through these practitioners. Yeah. Did it work? No. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's been quite a few that uh, they get sort of very generic, one size fits all approaches, mm -hmm. square peg round hole yeah. sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Go out and get fresh air, exercise, diet. Mm -hmm. like, of course, everyone should be doing that. Yes, it's hard. Um, does that work? No. One client's not for those any minute. Yeah. What's meaningful to you? Yeah. Go through this in the last six sessions. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we're starting from the beginning. Yeah, that's right. It's it's kind of what it feels like. It's mm -hmm. um uh, sometimes it turns into psychoeducation. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of it comes down to normalizing. People they sort of they feel judged when they come in. Yeah. And then they go, Oh my god, you must think I'm crazy. Yeah. No. <laughs> your reactions are normal based yeah. on the circumstances you've been in. Like, yeah. Don't feel crazy judged. at all. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. feel bad about that. But I think that's actually a really good point to finish on, which is, you know, in the scheme of things, um, we don't teach people, and like growing up generally, to have an internalized locus of control. Mm. And so what happens is they look externally for this meaning, for the checkboxes to tell them that they're a good human, a successful human, all these things. But People who are comfortable in life have an internal barometer for those things. They don't have an external barometer. Mm. And so, you know, often working with the right therapist that can hold space and explore those things and have conversations yeah, yeah, um, yeah. starts cultivating and building that internalized. That's process. right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it's, it's pulling down those uh, uh, cultural and societal yeah. um, uh, barriers, I guess. They, they just fit into certain things. And, well, Taylor, thank you very much for joining me today thank on you. the Seriously Social podcast. You will be able to find Dale on all of his uh, social and digital links that you will find in the description above. Uh, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks very so, much. Thank you very much. Now you can push the slidey stuff if you need to. Okay. It's very hard to stop conversations that are good. Chris oh. is giving me the 20 minute thing and I'm like, Thank you for listening to the Seriously Social podcast. See our website for more details at www.socialmediaaok.com.au/slash podcast. Check the show notes for credits, music used in the program, and more details about our guests.